Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Grace City Church podcast. If you would like more info on our church, you can visit gracecityboston.com. Now let's get to the sermon. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. My name is David. I am the church planning resident at, at Grace City, and I am honored to, to bring the message today. We've been in this series that's called After the Beginning, which is really confusing unless we explain what this means, after the beginning. Uh, and so what, what this is, is after the beginning of the resurrection. So after the resurrection, which was the beginning of this new life, this, this beginning of, the, of this huge section of our faith, Jesus actually walks on the earth for 40 days. So after this momentous event of the resurrection that we, that we celebrated with Easter just a couple weeks ago, after that happened, Jesus actually walks the earth for 40 days, and some incredible things happen. Some momentous things happen. And so for the next couple weeks, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at these different things that happen after the beginning. See, you understand now. It's after, after the beginning. And so I have the, I have the privilege, I have the honor to talk, to talk about Thomas, this scripture that we just read. Thomas and, and Jesus. And so we, we have some tough, some hard, some interesting scripture to look at together, uh, which I am psyched to look at it uh, as, we, as we go through this together. I'm really excited to look at Thomas um, after the beginning, Thomas and Jesus. Uh, I'm going to be in quite a few different scriptures today, and that's a good thing because my words, um, believe it or not, they're, they're not eternal. They're, they're not going to really even make it out of this room. They may make it out of this room by word of mouth as you, as you leave and you go, yeah, that guy was wild. He was all over the place. I don't know how I feel about this David guy. Well, let's bring back Brian, please. Uh, so you, my words may leave the building by means of that. They may leave the building by means of, of YouTube, right? But my words are not eternal. My, my words are not that important. But as we look at the words that are in scripture, Brian preached this last week, is that, is that these words in scripture are so deep and they're so rich and they are eternal. So uh, we're going to be in a couple different scriptures. Just hang on, hang in there with me. We are going to see some beautiful things in scripture. My, my words are not that important. Uh, scripture's words are just like what we heard last week. And so the sermon's going to be divided into, into three different sections to help, you, to help you follow along. We're going to talk about Thomas. We're going to look at Thomas. The second thing, we're going to look at Jesus. And I've said this before, you don't have a sermon, right? You don't have a sermon unless you look at Jesus. So we're going to look at Thomas. We're going to look at Jesus. And finally, we're, we're going to look at you. Now, don't be intimidated. This isn't judgy. This isn't, this isn't going to be painful. This is actually, hopefully, going to be something encouraging. Hopefully, this will be something very good. And so we'll, we'll look at Thomas, Jesus, and we'll look um, at you. Before we get into the sermon, I'm going to pray, and, and we will get into this. So let's pray together. God, we, we love you. We thank you for bringing us together. God, that we, we get to worship you, and as your love is in, in, your, in your faithfulness, is good in, in the morning and in the night. 
God, we pray that this is, this is all for you. God, I pray that, uh, that this sermon, this worship, Grace City, these, these people, uh, us, that as we're gathered here, that it's all for you. God, we want you to receive all the glory. You deserve every bit of it. God, as you're full of love, full of grace. But God, I pray that this word today, that it, is, that it does not bring glory to me by any means. It does not bring glory even to the name of Grace City, but God, it just brings glory to you. God, that it makes you known. Anything that is of me, anything that is selfish, God, I pray that it just, it's obvious. I pray that it just doesn't go anywhere that it looks ridiculous, but anything that is of you, God, anything that is of you, I pray that it pierces our hearts. God, I pray that it rattles around in our minds. God, that we would be forever changed. God, it is in your name that we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. So we're gonna talk about Thomas, Jesus, and you. So let's start with Thomas. Now, if you have church background, if you have church history, you may already know a little bit about Thomas. You may already know some about Thomas, and this is a, a bad reputation that Thomas has, okay? So, so usually it's not Thomas, and in fact, I was even talking to my grandpa, talking through the sermon, and, he was, and the first thing he said was, oh yes, doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas, or maybe you've heard Thomas the doubter, and it is this scripture that gives him this reputation, now, he has some strong words, right? He, he, he's doubting with some strong words. Unless I can touch the scars from the nail marks, I will never believe. Some strong words. So he has this reputation of being doubting Thomas, but that is not the full story. That is not the full story. And so I'm going to be a little bit of an advocate today for Brother Thomas. I'm going to be a, a little bit of an advocate as we do a quick scripture study to, to see Thomas and how he shows up in, in scriptures that happened before this one. Scriptures that happened before this, these strong words of him. Certainly he's, he's doubting the, the resurrection of, of Jesus. But there's some other times when Thomas really shows different parts of his character. We're going to do a quick study about that. And, and we'll, we'll learn some things from, from Brother Thomas. Um, and so the first one, the first one happens in John 11. And John 11, it should be on the screen. Like I said, we'll be in a couple different, we'll be in a couple different scriptures. I don't want you to be lost. And so if you, if you can't find it, or instead of trying to do Bible uh, sword drill trivia flipping, you could just look at the screen and we'll have it for you here. And so John 11, the background of this is that the disciples and Jesus were just run out of Judea. They were just run out of Judea. The, the Pharisees are being called sinners. And, and, they are, and Jesus is preaching repentance, and he's elevating those who have been called outcasts, and he's saving those who are on the, on the fringes and the margins of society, and he's calling them children of God, and that's not popular. This isn't popular, and so he's been run out of Judea, and, and we see this interaction happening as they need to uh, return. And so uh, read this with me. The, the disciples say, Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you, and you're going there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day? Jesus answers, if anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. Just some masterful teaching from Jesus right there. Um, and he said this, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. 
The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, sometimes we need that, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we may die with him. Let's go too so that we may die with him. Now he's not an optimist, right? He's not an optimist, but he is, he is not just a doubter here, is he? Let's go with Jesus back to Judea so that we can, we can die with him. The, the next time we, we see Thomas talking, it's, it's John 14, and Jesus is teaching uh, about, about heaven and about, about preparing a place for, for those who, who follow him, preparing a place here. And it says this, so we see Thomas talk with Jesus again. Jesus is teaching. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may also be. You know the way. You know the way to where I am going. And Thomas answers, verse 5, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answers, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So these are the two scriptures we have of Thomas. And then we have this scripture, verses 24 through 29 of the scripture that we read today. And Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord, all his best friends. His best friends have told him, we have seen the risen Jesus. But Thomas said to them, if I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the mark of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came, stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he immediately looks to Thomas. And to Thomas, he says, put your finger here. Look at my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side. Don't be faithless. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So we've looked at all of this scripture with Thomas. The first scripture, he's, he swears, we're going to die with Jesus. We're going to go to, to Judea and they're going to kill him, but they'll kill us too. We're, we're going to go be with Jesus when they, when they execute him. This next one, he doesn't understand the teaching. He doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, Jesus, how do we be with you? How do we follow you? We don't know the way. We don't know, we don't know where you're going and we need to be with you. And here we see Thomas in his doubting. So Thomas has a different profile now. Thomas has a different profile. And I'd like to advocate for a moment that maybe a more full profile of Thomas, maybe this is just my opinion, but maybe a more full profile of Thomas is that he is fiercely 
fiercely committed to being with Jesus. And he's heartbroken when Jesus is gone. He's saying, we'll go and we'll die with him, but we certainly won't leave him. Lord, where you're going, we don't understand that we need to know the way to get with you. We need to be with you. And his worst fears are realized when, he's, when he is crucified in front of Thomas. And so he says to the other disciples, I won't believe unless I can touch him. I won't believe unless I can be with him. You won't convince me. And so he is fiercely, fiercely committed to being with Jesus. His first priority is to be with Jesus. And so what does this mean for us? What, why do we care that Thomas wasn't just a one-dimensional doubter, but he has this desire to be with Jesus? What does this mean for us? For one, as we see that Thomas the doubter, as we see Thomas is, uh, it has a little more going on to him than just being a doubter, the first thing that we can learn is that your doubt, your doubt does not disqualify your discipleship with Jesus. Your doubt does not disqualify your discipleship with Jesus. So you may be sitting here with all kinds of doubts. Or maybe you, maybe you came in and you got tricked to be here, right? I'm not, I'm not commending that, but hey, you're here. And, and maybe you've got all kinds of doubts. Like you, you feel like you've got more doubts than you, have, than you have answers. You have more doubts than you have truth. Your doubts do not disqualify your discipleship, your being called to discipleship with Jesus. It was true for Thomas. See, there are heavy words in the Bible about doubt. We're going to get there where we're even going to do a little more uh, talking about doubt. But first, hear this. You are fully, you are deeply, you are wonderfully called by Jesus to follow him, doubts and all. Thomas was. Thomas was, and he was fully, beautifully called to be a disciple. So maybe there's a one verse, and you're saying, David, I, I don't get it. I don't understand this verse, and it keeps me up at night, and it bothers me. Or maybe there's one story in Scripture, and you're saying, I can't reconcile this. I don't, I don't fully understand this. I don't know if I like this. Or maybe you look around, and it's not the Bible or Jesus, but you have a problem with these Christians, right? There's all these Christians who are saying, I don't doubt Jesus, but these Christians that, that keep coming out from, from this faith, I'm not sure about them. Like, I, I don't know if I, I, I might believe in Jesus, but I don't believe, I don't believe in, these, in these Christians. You may be in any of these places and your doubt does not disqualify you for being, from being called to follow the beautiful, the true Jesus. It's funny because in church history, we, we know this is Thomas is the doubter. We, we label him Doubting Thomas. And in church history, after Jesus ascended, he became a missionary. He became an apostle who took the good news all the way to India, right? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas, who, who we've labeled as being outcast, less than, maybe a half apostle. No, he takes the gospel all the way to India, and he's martyred for his faith. If you're here with some doubts, and we'll talk more about doubts. If you're here with some doubts, don't believe you are not called to follow the true Jesus. So we've talked about Thomas. 
And we'll, we'll talk about Jesus. Um, and we'll keep talking about Thomas. He's our, he, I mean, he's our subject today, but we'll, we'll talk about Jesus and Thomas. Let's go back to our scripture, uh, verse 27 through 29. Uh, he said to Thomas, Jesus said this to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So this is, this is something that has caused some strife in the church in the past. And it's the fact that Jesus here, Jesus here is a little bit complex, right? Imagine that, that, that the one who is 100% human and 100% God, he, he's complex, right? The one, the one who is unapproachable in his holiness and glory, and yet he walked, uh, he walked right next to these friends, he's complex, right? And so this has caused some issues in the church is that, that Jesus is complex here. On one hand, he corrects Thomas. On, on one hand, he corrects Thomas and says, you don't need this proof. And on the other hand, he gives Thomas his proof. On one hand, Thomas is commended for his faith. He says, you have seen me, you have believed. On the other hand, those who have not seen are called blessed. What's happening here? Thomas is both commended, but those who don't see, who, who don't see Jesus, they, they are blessed. He says to Thomas, you don't, you don't need this proof, but here is the proof. There's this complexity to Jesus. So Jesus' tension, Jesus' tension really, if I can say it, it's, it's, it's this. There is, there is an inherent danger to doubt, and Jesus doesn't hesitate to confront it. There is an inherent danger to doubt, but Jesus doesn't hesitate to confront it, and he does it. He does it in this beautiful way, and we'll talk We'll talk more about this. Uh, Paul agrees. So if you if you know uh, if you know who Paul is, he he had a run in with Jesus too, kind of like Thomas. And Paul was uh, Paul was an, was somebody who was ravaging the church, just destroying anybody who said they followed Jesus. And then he had an encounter with Jesus and ended up writing most of the New Testament. So it's a big deal. Paul is a Paul is a big deal. If you if you're unfamiliar with him in the New Testament, a wonderful. Uh, writer for Jesus and, and writes so much of our New Testament. And Paul agrees with Jesus. It's a good place to be. It's a good place to be agreeing with Jesus. And so Paul agrees and he says this. This is Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. And, and Paul agrees with Jesus. He said, Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints. That's you. You are the saints to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity. Growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's faithfulness. Verse 14, Paul starts to talk about doubt. Verse 14, Paul says this about doubt. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. 
but speaking the truth in love. That is so beautiful. But speaking the truth in love. Church, say this with me right now. But speaking the truth in love. I had like 10 people. We need the entire. But speaking the truth in love. Yes, now you won't forget. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. And so we see, we see Paul agreeing with Jesus. There is an inherent, there is this inherent danger to doubt. And we see, and we see Paul confront it immediately. And he does it in this beautiful beautiful way, full of love, speaking the truth in love. I want to lean into this imagery for a moment. Um, it's still up here. As we see, we see verse 14, we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves. I don't know if you've been to the beach or if you got to go to the beach or, or, um, or into some huge, large body of water when, when you were young but it's intimidating. I mean, I remember my, my mom put a limit on me. For one, she was like crazy overprotective, right? I, I had a strong shelter built around me as a kid, but, but there was this limit. I wasn't allowed to go past my knees into the water, into the ocean. Why? Because I would have been toppled by those waves. I would have been beat by those waves. And so I, I don't know if you've been tossed by a wave one good time, and it could still happen. Full-grown adult, you could still be toppled by a wave, but now you know how to look for them. Or maybe you've been to the beach enough that, that you always, you know you have to keep an eye out for the waves. So as what you jump one wave, it's not done. The, the next wave is coming, and, and you jump the next wave, or a wave large enough, you, you go under the wave, right? Like if, you've, if you've been to the beach, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but kids don't know this. In fact, when I was a kid, I got toppled one good time by a wave, right? Choking on water, sea, sea water, saltiness all in your mouth. You're just, you're just completely disoriented. As soon as you stand up, another one hits you. Right? There's, there's another one right behind it, and, and you don't expect that one, that one either. But as a mature adult, you know the waves are coming, and you watch for them, and you prepare for them, and they don't beat you. And so here in Ephesians, it says that the church is equipped with these different kind of teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, that they have these different teachers, and on top of that, they have the church speaking the truth in love. You have each other speaking the truth in love, in love that we would not be beat by the waves of doubt. You have each other, and that is incredibly important. Coming out of a pandemic, community is gonna be hard, right? Do we, like, how do we wear masks? Like, how do we, how do we join? A community, community has been discouraged for the last year, right? Community and joining together has been discouraged. And on top of that, we don't have resources to go to. Like, how do I get out of a pandemic in a healthy way, right? We don't have people to ask, like, hey, how do I, how do I exit a pandemic in a socially healthy way? There's not repertoire for us to pull from about how we do this well. So needless to say, community after 
this is over, community after this pandemic is going to be difficult. But you need each other. You need each other. We need these teachers that Christ is, has equipped the church with, and we need the church speaking the truth in love. Because doubts will come, and we need one another. We need one another. So Jesus confronts Thomas and his doubts, and he does it in a, an incredibly loving way with holes in his hands showing Thomas, I was crucified for you. You can believe. Don't be faithless, but believe. Jesus and Paul confront doubt, but they do it full of love. We should too. We should too. So we've talked about Thomas. We've talked about Jesus. You guys are getting tired of hearing me talk, and so we're going to talk about you, and I promise it is painless, and yeah, hopefully this is an encouraging, hopefully this is a good thing. So we're going to talk about the, the end of this, um, John 20, 28 through 29, and we're going to go to our scripture again, and it says this, Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God, how beautiful, how beautiful, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You see, Thomas, Thomas gives us a beautiful confession of faith. He gives a wonderful, beautiful confession of faith, and it is deeply personal. In fact, these words, my Lord and my God, are really rare in the Gospels. In the four Gospels, the words my Lord and my God are hardly seen. It's our Lord, our Father, or God in heaven, holy, right? It's these words, but this personal, my Lord and my God, it's rare and it is, it is speaking to us today. It's that our faith, your faith, is deeply personal. It's between you and Jesus. You see, I, I started this ministry, this ministry, I started my ministry career in the Southeast, and um, the Southeast goes by many names. If you've, you know, depending on where you're from and of what opinion you are about the Southeast, but uh, the Southeast goes by, goes by a couple names, um, and the Bible Belt is one of them. And what this means is that everybody grows up in some sort of implicit culture of the Bible. It's not, it's not always healthy, and it's not always explicitly the gospel, but it's always implicitly the Bible in the Southeast. It's always implicitly. Um, and because of this, because of this, there's a tendency to associate different relationships with salvation. What I mean is, is this, is that some, some kids will, would come to us and say, hey, I, I need to be baptized because my mom really wants me to be baptized. It, it's about to get awkward because I can't baptize you because your mom wants you to. And, and, and then we have some people that are saying, or we, we would ask them, like, hey, do you, like, do you believe in Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? And they say, yeah, I've gone to church. I've gone to church my, um, I've gone to church my whole childhood. Like, right? I didn't ask about you and your church's relationship. I asked about you and, and Jesus's relationship. And so our faith is deeply personal. And, and all I want to say is that nobody can do it for you. 
On top of that, Great City can't do it for you. We cannot do the walk with Jesus for you. Now, we just talked about how important community is, right? We need each other. We need, we need the communion of the saints. We, you all need to come together, but we can't do faith for anyone else. You have to walk the faith on your own, my Lord and my God, just like Thomas. The last part of the scripture that Isaac read, um, and we're almost done. We're almost done. The, the last part of the scripture, verses 30 and 31, uh, it's, it's this commentary about the gospel. It says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written. These are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You may have life in his name. Now, if you, if you, talk, to, if you talk to those who love Jesus, those who, who really adore and follow Jesus, the one who, who is deserving of all of our, of our praise, right? We, the testimonies don't go like this. I, I was looking and I found Jesus and in his name, I found a straight jacket full of rules. And it was just really binding and there was just rules all over the place. And because I found that straight jacket, I fell in love with Jesus. That's not our testimony. We didn't say, I, I, I was looking and in Jesus, I found a really depressing dogma. I found some really tough, dark stuff. And so I'm going to, I'm going to really just cl- cling on to the name of Jesus. This isn't what happens. This isn't what happened to us, and this is, this is the truth of who Jesus is. It's right here, verse 31. By believing, you may have life. You may have life, and that is life that nothing else is able to offer. That is life that is incomparable to what anything else can try and barter with you for. It's life in his name. So from Thomas, we learned... Your doubts do not disqualify you. If, you're, if that is you, please know. If you don't hear anything else, know your doubts do not disqualify you from being called to Jesus. We, we know that there is an inherent danger to doubts, and we need one another. We need one another, and we need the church. We need this beautiful community. And coming out of COVID, that's hard but we need each other. And finally, we know that our faith is, is deeply personal. It's between you and Jesus. And he offers life. Not strict rules and doctrine, not a heavy, depressing dogma, but his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He offers life in his name. There's one more scripture. Again, I'm just uh, all the way through with these scriptures today, um, and that's a good thing. But First uh, Peter, First Peter, this is us. This is for you, church. This is for you, the saints. It says this, though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, You believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible joy 
with inexpressible and glorious joy, right? Life in his name. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls.